2: Cool fact, a
3: crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare Short-Term Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. An
1: Erio's original. Each
3: week we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Aftermath. Today we're speaking with guest expert Professor Harold W. Atridge. Harold Atridge is a retired professor at the Yale Divinity School and a leading scholar of Jewish and Greek literature in relation to the New Testament and early Christianity. He has authored six books, including Hebrews, a commentary on the epistle to the Hebrews. Let's hear what he has to say about the chaotic birth of baby Jesus. Hi, Harold. Thank you so much for joining us today.
4: Uh, Nice to be with you, Rebecca.
3: Now, could you start off by giving our listeners a little background on your field of expertise? What got you interested in the New Testament and early Christianity?
4: Well, I grew up in a traditional uh, Roman Catholic environment in the Boston area, back before the Second Vatican Council, which took place in the 1960s. And uh, at that time, uh, there was a revival of interest or a growing interest in Scripture within the Catholic world. Uh, When I went to high school, I studied uh, with the Jesuits at Boston College High School and then at Boston College. And so uh, I uh, read a lot of Latin and Greek and uh, got into um, the ancient world. And because of this interest, growing interest in uh, scripture within the Catholic world, I I was also interested in it and thought it um, might be worthwhile to make a contribution to the life of the Catholic Church and uh, the community more generally by uh, using the skills that I had in ancient languages to uh, study Scripture. So that's how I got into into the business.
3: Amazing. Uh, so, please tell us, uh, our listeners, who were the original writers of the Nativity story? Um, how did they get assigned such important chapters in the New Testament? Hmm.
4: I'm not sure it's right to think about people getting assigned to to write chapters. I think (laughs) the the literature of early Christianity uh, emerged uh, in different communities serving different kinds of purposes uh, and making different kinds of points. And I think the uh, authors of uh, Matthew and Luke, who are the main sources for the stories that we have about the nativity of Jesus, uh, were writing their uh, accounts of the life of Jesus uh, probably in the 80s and 90s of the first century, uh, after the uh, destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem in 70, uh, which was a result of the revolt by the Jews against the Romans. Uh, And these writers were, I think, trying to uh, make sense of their situation and make sense of the traditions that they had about Jesus for uh, their communities that were uh, trying to live in that that environment. Um, And uh, Matthew has his own uh, tilt uh, towards seeing the continuity between um, uh, the uh, Hebrew Bible and uh, the traditions of Israel and what happens in in the life and uh, teachings of Jesus and uh, wants to affirm that there's continuity between um, uh, Jesus and the teachings of Torah. Um, Luke uh, has his emphasis on uh, the extent of Christianity, the outreach of Christianity to the Gentile world, and the way in which Christianity brings to that world a, uh, a gospel of, uh, of repentance and compassion. Um, so they, they have their different emphases, and they tell the, uh, the stories uh, about the, the birth of Jesus, probably with that larger purpose in mind, to make sense for their communities in the late first century of um, the commitments that uh, those communities were making to God through Christ.
3: And do their accounts differ in any way?
4: Oh, yeah. The the accounts of uh, Matthew and Luke share some things in common, but they also have very uh, distinctive stories and not not totally compatible stories about um, the birth of Jesus. Uh, both share the uh, the notion that um, or the the datum that Jesus was born in the uh, the last days of the reign of King Herod uh, whose uh, reign is usually dated uh, uh, 38 to uh, 4 BC uh, there are some people who uh, have slightly different versions but that's the most widely accepted uh, dating of of um, the uh, reign of Herod And so uh, both uh, Matthew and Luke, Jesus would have been born probably around 5 BC. Let's just use that as a round number. Um, But uh, Luke has uh, a slightly different uh, take on the date because he also says that it took place after the uh, census by Quirinius. Uh, And we know of a census by Quirinius, governor of Syria, that took place in uh, 6 AD. So Luke doesn't have it quite accurate. Uh, And Matthew has nothing about that. Uh, Matthew also has uh, a story about um, the way in which um, Joseph and Mary and Jesus uh, went to Egypt um, to uh, escape um, the persecution by King Herod. Um, And there's nothing of that in, um, in Luke. Um, Matthew has a visitation uh, to the Holy Family by three Magi, three wise men or astrologers coming from someplace in the East, maybe Persia. Um, But in any case, uh, uh, wise men, we call them three, but they're not labeled three in the Gospel of Matthew. In any case, uh, they bring their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And there's nothing like that in, um, in Luke. Instead, uh, Luke has uh, a recognition of the significance of the birth of Jesus by shepherds, uh, shepherds who have um, uh, heard an angel telling them about this miraculous event and who come and visit the family. Um, so th- there are some significant differences um, between the, the two Gospels and the story they tell of the birth of Jesus, uh, as well as uh, different ways in which they connect it to the larger story of uh, God's relationship with, uh, with Israel. Matthew does so primarily through a series of um, prophetic texts that he says are fulfilled in the birth of Jesus, uh, that these texts look forward to the events of the start of the life of Jesus. Uh, And uh, Luke doesn't quite do that. Luke has um, uh, a much larger framework for telling the story of Jesus, and that uh, framework includes uh, the Annunciation stories. Uh, both of the annunciation of the birth of John the Baptist and the annunciation uh, to Mary of uh, the birth of Jesus. Um, And then a story about the birth of John and the visitation uh, by Mary uh, to her cousin Elizabeth. All of this is uh, before you come to the story of the birth of Jesus.
3: So Luke is the one who had a knack for backstory, and Matthew had more of a, a flair for the poetic?
4: Uh, well, Luke is poetic, um, uh, and uh, Luke has these large chunks of poetry in his his backstory, all right. Matthew was uh, uh, more interested in making the connections with the uh, uh, prophetic tradition of ancient Israel, and he makes those existent connections by saying a text uh, or prophecy has been fulfilled in the life of Jesus.
3: That's so interesting. Um, so could, could you give us a—what's a, what, the backstory— of Joseph and Mary. Who were they, and how did they end up together?
4: Well, I wish we knew. I mean, what we have (laughs) as um, uh, stories about uh, Joseph and Mary is what we have in these uh, gospel accounts. Um, And uh, I think one of the interesting and one of the intriguing issues that's raised by the two different versions of the birth of Jesus is uh, where um, uh, Joseph and Mary were originally from, Uh, It's uh, Matthew and uh, Luke agree that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, uh, and both of them have um, ways of trying to uh, explain how Jesus winds up in Nazareth, because all of the traditions we have about Jesus is that he was from Nazareth. Uh, And uh, Mark and John uh, hold open the likelihood that Jesus was born there. They don't have an account of it, but they don't have any uh, account of him coming from someplace else. Uh, so it's Matthew and um, and Luke uh, who have to say something about uh, why he was born in Bethlehem, if that's the case. But they don't they don't have any other information. None of the gospels has uh, any further information about where Joseph and um, Mary were before uh, they were connected. Uh, Matthew has a genealogy uh, that might be a little bit of backstory if you want that places um, Joseph squarely within the uh, tradition of of uh, the Davidic monarchy, and uh, but this too is a way of fulfilling prophecy of saying that Jesus is uh, a descendant of, of King David. Ah. Um, and whether uh, whether there's any historical basis for that is uh, debatable, uh, but that's something that Matthew gives us. Uh, Luke has a different genealogy, uh, which traces the um, the family of Jesus all the way back to Adam. Uh, and why is that? Again, Matthew, Luke is really interested in the global outreach uh, of, of the Jesus movement. Uh, not so much it's uh, fulfilling, well, he says it's fulfilling, uh, ancient Israel, all right. But uh, Matthew wants to make that point very strongly. So he makes the Davidic connection strong.
3: Now, I have to ask you, did Matthew and Luke know each other?
4: Uh it, again, it'd be, it'd be really great if we had, uh, I, you know, biographies of, of the writers so of the gospels I'm so excited to
3: have you on. They, I have so many questions. Yeah, well,
4: these, uh, they, these are fascinating texts, and they raise all sorts of interesting questions. Uh, the, the gospels come to us uh, anonymously. Uh, there's no statement within them that uh, I, John Q. Doe, wrote the gospels. But we have um, traditions from the early church dating from the second century about the identity of the gospel writers. Uh, and so uh, Matthew is uh, identified as uh, someone that Jesus calls um, uh, from his, his uh, money-changing table or his tax-collecting table. And um, uh, Luke is identified as a companion of Paul, uh, who is mentioned in some of Paul's letters as a beloved uh, physician. Um, but the, these are second-century uh, testimonies, and whether they're based on uh, historical uh, fact or just speculation by second-century authors who were trying to identify the authors of these Gospels uh, is uh, something that we could discuss. I tend to think it's more the latter than the former. So we don't know an awful lot about uh, uh, who the authors were or where they came from, uh, apart from the style of the language that they have and the uh, the interests that they represent in their stories.
3: That It's so fascinating. Um, fa- fa- I'm fascinated by it. Um oh. So back to Mary and Joseph. Why did the couple decide to travel to Bethlehem uh, during Mary's third trimester? And uh, how does this story emerge since there's no historical basis?
4: Right. Well, uh, I, I think um, the, the, uh, the, this is something that, uh, that Luke in particular is uh, trying to explain. Uh, because Matthew doesn't have uh, them traveling to Bethlehem. He just has them there. Uh, What he does is to uh, explain how they wound up in Nazareth after the whole birth of Jesus. They didn't come from Nazareth. They went there because they wanted to avoid Archelaus, uh, the son of Herod, whom they thought might be inimical to them and uh, their son. Uh, So Luke has the story that they were originally from Nazareth, and came to Bethlehem because they were forced to do so by the Romans, who uh, were taking a census. And as I, I think I've already indicated the census that Luke refers to took place probably ten years after the birth of uh, the likely birth of Jesus, if Jesus was indeed born in the last days of Herod, which is probably a reasonable guess. Um, and there, a number of people have tried to reconcile uh, those two elements of, of Luke the birth of Jesus in the last days of Herod and the birth after the census under the governor Quirinius, which takes place only after the uh, elimination of uh, and exile of Archelaus, the son of Herod in 6 AD. Um, But you can't really do that. (laughs) What you have is uh, the literary imagination of Luke trying to explain why it is that Matthew and uh, Mary came to Bethlehem. They had to do so because of the census. As a matter oh. of fact, as a matter of fact, uh, the censuses that we know about, and Romans did take some censuses, um, uh, but they didn't do a worldwide census. Uh, that's that's something that uh, uh, Luke's imagination gives us. Okay, <laughs> uh, they did do a census of uh, of uh, Israel Palestine after the uh, uh, the elimination of Archelaus. Uh, why? For tax purposes but they wouldn't have required people to go to their place of birth. They just went around and saw who was living where and what kind of taxes they were going to put on them. (laughs) So um, the the notion that we have in the Gospel of Luke that um, Matthew and uh, Mary went to Nazareth because they had to because of the census of Quirinius, that's his reasoning getting them there out of Nazareth in time for the birth of Jesus, in what everybody um, at that point expected, that is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. (laughs) And how did that, but where was he born? Do we know that he was actually born in Bethlehem? No, we really don't. Uh, What we have is probably that sense that... uh, Uh, that information that we get in Matthew, that there's a prophetic text at the beginning of uh, Micah uh, chapter 5 that says Bethlehem is the place where the ruler of Israel is going to come from. Why? Because it's the city of David. Uh, So messianic hopes were probably connected with Bethlehem. And once you decide that Jesus is the Messiah, then it's a natural inference. Oh, he must have been born in Bethlehem. So Um. there's probably uh, uh, an element of theological logic that's going into the um, the story world that gives us the story of the birth in Bethlehem, uh, which, as they say, Mark and uh, John don't seem to um, particularly like or know. Uh, in any case, once you have that as a foundation element, then you have to explain, you have to answer the question that you asked. Why is it that uh, Mary and, and Joseph would have gone in the last trimester uh, to to Nazareth, I mean, to Bethlehem from Nazareth? Uh, and the answer: oh, the Romans did it, so...
3: Oh, so it, it sounds like Luke, right, Luke. Is, is kind of working his way backwards a little bit. I think that's true. It, it, it's very similar to the writers of that TV show Lost, mm-hmm. who realized they needed to give us a good ending and kind of work their way backwards. <laughs>
4: yeah, Well, he's trying to make connections, and he's trying to do yeah. so on the basis of what he knows and what assumptions he has. Um, and uh, he makes mistakes, and we can see some other mistakes that he makes precisely in matters of, of uh, chronology. Um. So, uh, you know, he he it, thinks it's important and he thinks it's a, a way of explaining some things, but it doesn't always work.
3: <laughs> so as the story goes, Joseph and Mary, they try to find lodging, mm-hmm. but there's no room at the inn. And so they're forced to stay in a manger with an ox and an ass. And is this an accurate depiction of what happened? Was there... Was there just no vacancy in all of Bethlehem, or is our modern understanding of these events I, I, perhaps I, misguided? I,
4: I, I think we come to this with with certain presuppositions about what, uh, what travel is and um, where people <laughs> stayed and the like. There, there weren't holiday inns in uh, first century Bethlehem. Bummer. Uh, so uh, on the assumption that Mary and Joseph did travel to Bethlehem and weren't just right. living there... So, on the Lucan assumption, rather than the Matthian assumption, um, uh, what does it mean to not have room in the inn? Uh, the word for uh, that's translated "inn" is uh, uh, "kataluma," uh, which is a place where you let things down. Uh, what do you mean by that? It's uh, probably like a caravanserai, uh, where tr- a public place where travelers could lodge for the night in shelter. Okay, so you're not going and renting a room. Uh, just finding space in a public lodging place, all right? And um, uh, the, the notion that Luke is conjuring up is that the place was, was packed, and so there's no room for them uh, where people are ordinarily sheltering for the night. And so they have to um, go to an, uh, uh, an area where the animals are, is it a, a a little feeding pen out r- right outside the Catalama, um, the caravanserai, uh, or is it a, a stable? It's not quite clear, but in any case, a manger is probably simply a box uh, where um, food for the animals, where some grain or um, or uh, hay or something is is put in, and that's where um, uh, where Joseph and Mary uh, put their their firstborn uh, Jesus, because um, there was no room in the Cataloma. So that's the image that uh, I think Luke is trying to create.
3: So what what do you think is the most accurate depiction then of the birth?
4: Um, well, I, you know, there's no, <laughs> when we talk about accuracy, we're usually trying to compare something with data. And yeah. we, we don't have data apart from the stories that we have. So, asking uh, the question, "What's the more accurate or most accurate?" Uh, is a question that we really can't answer, given uh, the the limitations of what we have and we know. What we have are these these stories that are uh, faith testimonies by two followers of Jesus, some um, fifty or sixty years after his uh, his death, uh, that try to say something about uh, the significance of who he was uh, and why it was important to to be a follower of his. So, uh, the historical question, you know, you just don't have the data to answer
3: so then in terms of the story, what were they trying to say with this nativity story mm-hmm. um, what what are they trying to say about Jesus, who he was and what lessons they were trying to convey with his birth?
4: yeah well I think uh, matthew is is in in effect drawing some parallels not only not, not only is he drawing parallels with the prophetic tradition and saying uh, all that israel Uh, was promised by God through the prophets is somehow being realized in in this person of Jesus. He's also drawing some parallels between Jesus and Moses. Uh, And this fits in with a larger pattern in his whole gospel, Um, where uh, he has Jesus being a teacher of something that's uh, like the Torah, that is built upon the principles of the Torah, but is somehow more compelling or uh, more convincing. Uh, So what Matthew does is to have these five large blocks of discourse material or teaching material running through this gospel, like a Pentateuch. So Jesus is in some ways like Moses in uh, providing the word of God to the the people of God. And what's the story of the start of Moses? Uh, Moses was um, uh, was subjected to the... uh, the command by Pharaoh that uh, all the children of Israel be slaughtered. So you get Herod instead, slaughtering the children of Israel. Uh, in this case, the children of Bethlehem. Uh, so, uh, and where does Jesus go um, uh, when uh, the whole story of the birth is, is uh, done in Matthew? He goes off to Egypt. So uh, I think Matthew was trying to say, look, in the story of Jesus, we have a replication of and a fulfillment of uh, the story that we already are familiar with in uh, the story of Moses. So that's why some of the details that he has are there. Luke um, has uh, the Davidic connection, which Matthew also has, too, in his own way. Because uh, who is David? David was a shepherd, right? Uh, a farm boy, if you will. And uh, it's the shepherds who are like David that come and recognize who Jesus is. And it's they who receive the uh, revelation from the angel that uh, the Messiah has been born. Um, Luke also has this emphasis on um, uh, care for the poor, on right use of money, on um, those who are in positions of power being overthrown from their positions of power and being um, convinced to use their resources for um, the good of, of the indigent. That's all there in that great little poem that we referred to earlier, the Magnificat, and it runs through the whole of the gospel. And so uh, having uh, not wise men from the East, but the poor of the people of Israel recognizing who Jesus is feeds into this important emphasis in the gospel of Luke. Uh, So you can see how both of these um, storytellers tell their stories in a way, stories of the birth of Jesus, in a way that's going to contribute to their overall uh, estimation of uh, the significance of Jesus.
3: So, at the end of the day, if you had to pick a person or thing, it could be a concept that is to blame for the cha- chaotic birth of Jesus. And by this, I we mean, you know, uh, n- no room at the inn, being born in a manger, uh, the, uh, all of those circ- the circumstances surrounding that birth. Who or what would that be? Uh,
4: I wouldn't want to cast blame uh, on (laughs) anybody for uh, any of this. Uh, I I think what we have um, is uh, two minds, two early Christian minds, uh, telling uh, stories about Jesus, that some of which are chaotic, if you will, some of which are a little orderly, but they reflect the human condition. So, if there's um, anything that we want to blame for what goes on in the birth of this individual, it's um, what do we see around us um, uh, rich and um, uh, haughty people uh, exercising their will in ways that are deleterious to human well being, um, people who are marginalized, uh, who are hoping for divine deliverance or some sort of deliverance. And um, it's into that messy uh, world that. Um, God comes through God's son Jesus. At least that's what uh, the two evangelists believe and what those who read these texts tend to believe. So if there's any anything to, to blame, it's the human condition.
3: I, I love that so much. And I think that we were actually circling around that. We had that feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, so it's it has been extremely interesting to speak with you, Harold, and, and get some insight on... Uh, what what these stories mean and and why they were told in the way they were.
4: Glad you enjoyed it. It's been fun being with you.
3: Thank you so much.
4: Hey, I'm Ryan
0: Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
1: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. With us today,
3: we have producer Clayton Early.
5: Hello, hello.
3: And fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. I had so many questions for Harold. I just didn't want to let him go. Right.
6: Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, as a fact, as the fact checker of the show, I have to say, you know, it's always tough when you have something that, as Harold put it, "Look, these are different writers telling this story, and they had different intents behind what they were trying to say. Why? Why were they concocting these tales? And uh, it was really illuminating hearing Harold uh, discuss that. But as a fact checker, like I'm saying. <laughs> Boy, me and, me and the fact-checking team, we were all sitting over there so frustrated, so frustrated with these results.
3: And you could tell Harold is like, well, you're trying to get to the bottom of something that you just can't you, get to you the bottom just of. Can't.
6: <laughs> well, it did right? cause me to actually throw, wanted to throw some more things up on the board because as he was saying, the whole thing kind of is based on the Lucan assumption, right, where they needed to travel, which mm-hmm. could have been total BS as well. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, He did explain that Matthew wanted to draw parallels to Moses, so Uh we could have put Moses up on the board. Oh. And he said Luke was trying to draw a more Davidic connection, so we could put David up on the board.
3: Oh, interesting. Uh, Yeah, we, we just weren't thinking about it in that way. Um, well, but, well,
6: we're not theologians. We didn't. Stu- no, we, we, don't, we don't study this <laughs> no. stuff. No,
3: we have not spent uh, our entire <laughs> lifetime. Yeah, uh, <laughs> honestly,
5: the first half, I was like, "What is even being said right now?" I don't understand any of these words. <laughs> it's like a different language.
3: <laughs> I I know it, it's really hard. Um, it's hard just because the, it, there's so many differing accounts of a similar story, right? right? So mm-hmm. then things just get mumbled and you're like, wait a minute, I thought that, I thought that this had happened, but then mm-hmm. this guy's telling me that it didn't happen. It mm-hmm. happened a different way, but we're all, we're just kind of, for some reason, they they decided that they weren't going to like take all of these um, stories and make, decide on one big story th- right. and go with that. They're just like, we'll just, we'll just throw all the stories in the book and you right. guys can figure out yeah. which one.
6: <laughs> Piece it together. <laughs> right. And like he was saying, people did de- dedicate years and lo- their whole entire lives to sort of sifting through this material and trying to, yeah, I guess, poke holes in certain versions or draw connections in other versions. But what I thought was so interesting was at the end, what it came down to for him was, look, these texts were created because, you know... Life is messy because the rich and, as he so put it, the rich and haughty people kind of try and take advantage of others. Yes, and that th- this is a messy world where there's wealth inequality, there's uh, injustice, and what Jesus comes in to do is is sort of be a shining light and guide people in you know the right path. And so, you know, because that's the intent, we could also put up on the board this just messy, crazy thing we call life, or as he put it, the human condition. <laughs> <laughs>
5: I thought what was interesting about that too, was just to think about it in today's context, perhaps this story is not as crazy as we think it is nowadays because the thought of being born in a stable and putting your baby in a manger just seems ludicrous. But thinking back like that was just, you know, these are two minds you said telling the stories that reflected the human condition. Maybe that was just like normal, you know? And so it's not as, uh, crazy it was or, or more focused on like the birth and how crazy it is, but more it's like what uh, it should be focused on Jesus and what he was about to do.
3: Well, but I kind of I, I know what you're I think what you might be saying is also that perhaps it was it was just the humble a humble way to be born and a common way
1: to be mm-hmm, born, which mm-hmm.
3: well, then you know gave the readers uh, a connection. To who this person was, right? Right. Um. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, for us, it, it's not. It's not common. I think for us, it would be common if, like, Jesus was born at the at the hospital in. And, uh, and it's like the question is, was it a. Was it a natural birth or did they, they, they give a, you know, was it a, did you get an epidural? Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's right. like Mary would have gotten an epidural, you know. Um, <laughs> could
5: there be more than one family
6: member in the room?
3: Yeah, yes, exactly. It could have been a C-section. We don't, you right. know, that, that, that's what would be common for us.
6: <laughs> yeah, maybe right. that's a good idea. Actually, shouldn't they should update the version of Jesus's <laughs> birth for every new generation if they really want people to f- relate to the story? <laughs> um you know it happened it was in the middle of the night cedar right. sinai was packed oh uh, was- and
3: we called the doctor and he was at a different birth
6: <laughs> right maybe that's it. it's just that uh cedar
5: sinai was packed so it was just a home birth
3: oh that's interesting yeah. so yes yes so the the modern translation would be they couldn't get a room at cedar sinai not one uh with a, a, a view or any any of the rooms and so they just, they sent the uh, the midwife over mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the house right. and um, yeah, no room. Which at is date. common and
5: nowadays, but still alarming for, I think for some people, the fear or the thought of a home birth might be pretty scary still
6: right? right although some people
5: are like totally all about
6: it yeah it's true but uh, instead of the three wise men it could be the three different food delivery services coming DoorDash, like DoorDash Dash, uber,
3: uber eats, eats and
6: uh, uh caviar, caviar for sure yeah bringing different different smelling foods um
5: Um, Some of the food is Persian because it came right, right, right. Where did yeah? Where (laughs) did it
3: come from? (laughs) One was from a Thai restaurant, right? Yeah, (laughs) Uh, for sure. Um, But no, I, I, I I thought that he blamed the human condition. and and we had this feeling that we were like, okay, you know, we, we blame the innkeepers for not having, you know, the <sighs> compassion to allow mm-hmm. right. <laughs> be, uh Mary to give birth in, in a more comfortable setting. Right. Right. And it, it is kind of circling because he did bring up the, the rich and, and haughty people. Mm-hmm.
5: Right. Yeah. But it's, it's like all- if I guess yeah. if she had more medical empowerment or disempowerment, period, she would Feel brave enough to go to a wealthier resident of Bethlehem and say, Hey, can you help me out? Because all the inns are
6: full. I mean, that's fair to say. There's something to that because I think what you're saying about empowerment and you know, the reason why we our conversation took that direction was because, I guess, we, you know, we're taking in the injustices that we see in our modern context, oh, right? Oh, interesting. And we, and we, you know, and we draw the conclusions naturally. And I think that that would be, you know, uh, a lesson that Jesus probably would want us to, that even little baby Jesus, who is so wise, um, <laughs> mm, who often you see him depicted, you know, pointing at stuff and um, even as a baby, just had a lot to say. But
3: um I don't think <laughs> he I'm did he <laughs> doesn't he doesn't really <laughs> he have much stuff. to say until he's much older well, actually no, but he points he's at a stuff teenager in
6: those in the baby pictures he
3: okay I think it's an um, interesting
5: thing to consider though imagine you're just sitting at home watching TV and you get a knock on your door and there's a woman and her husband being like I'm in labor now can I go. come into your house yes, and give
6: birth there you go
3: I think and after wh- this podcast the answer should be yes and what for is everyone and <laughs> it's like what is the
6: instinct that would make us say no it, it that is probably to blame in this in Oh, mm. that's the lesson, I guess. Right. Well,
4: that's what is that instinct? Do
6: you think it's like? Um
3: I don't know these people. I don't know who these people are. How am I going to let them Fear, inside? Yeah. Inhospitable.
5: Yeah. Just selfishness.
3: Or um, I just... Hospitality. I, bad hospitality. Bad well, hospitality. Which we were
6: close. <sighs> I mean, that's, you know, like... We
5: did say that this spur- this spawned the hospitality industry in the orish- initial episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the origin story
6: of Four Seasons.
3: Not just one of the biggest religions.
6: <laughs> okay. So, bad hospitality... I mean, you want to talk about messy, the messy human condition. It's like it all basically amounts to that. It's like, hospitality, am, I, am I willing to help out somebody in need?
3: Hospitality That's, is just trying to bring order to our human needs, yep, right? I, mm-hmm. think so.
6: mm-hmm. I think so. I think so. Give what you can. Give what you can and more so.
5: So what do you think, Rebecca? Do you want? Is there anything you want to change about the initial verdict with uh, Bethlehem and keepers in jail and the lack of medical empowerment given getting the big slap?
3: Um, I think that. Well, do do you think that the 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 innkeepers? Well, I I think the human condition. Well, is it, is very is broad, right? Right?
6: So, yeah. Um,
3: and
6: the innkeepers are kind of a symbol of ho- hospitality, that's,
3: and and the rich and haughty, right?
6: Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. in my mind, in, in our minds, yeah, and, and it's again as as Harold was pointing out these are all based on a bunch of assumptions and it's it's you know it's really like it's like choose your own adventure basically when it comes to bible studies <laughs> <laughs> so i i do think that we kind of kind of nailed it
3: i mean i i feel good about that okay. and 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 i feel like uh Harold's response really supported that a little bit and <laughs> <laughs> a little bit and the fact that he was just like look there's just no way to yeah. get to the bottom of it Right. um
6: as an alarmist it's frustrating that but it, yeah this has right. been a tough
3: one but i feel it like it's we're not to-
6: meant to that's kind of
5: the exactly. point of right.
6: the bible is
5: you're not meant to there's not like the definitive it's just like well, read, and isn't that so interesting? Mm-hmm. Isn't that
3: so interesting because there are so many people who are so definitive about the yes. Bible. And that's True. they're really missing the point in wow. that it's mm-hmm. supposed to be something that you revisit, you re-question, you uh, keep, you know, getting the fa you know, quote quote unquote facts, you know, or the different stories putting putting them against each other to you know, try and get a more accurate depiction and under and at while all at the same time understanding that there will never be one correct
6: right way truth yeah. right <laughs> so so what do we think about the slap then because I feel like the innkeepers as sort of like a symbol of inhospital inhosp bad hospitality yeah <laughs> uh, is is pretty solid for me, but okay. what about the
3: Yes, I think we should, I I think we should change the slap and I think we should slap, um, the human condition for just for, uh, you know, our instinct, right? Mm. Um,
6: that fear we were talking about before, stranger coming into our house, the human condition of the time.
5: The human condition
3: of forever, because it's apparently forever. still um, sure, it's still going on, right? Look, there's a th- yeah,
5: like like
6: course. that, like that scenario you were painting before, where if a pregnant couple came up to the house and knocked on your door and said, you know, we're about to pop, we have to do it somewhere. Can we do it here? There's part of us that is scared of that. that You're is
3: thinking, I just whole, bought this new I just, uh, purple mattress. Purple
6: mattress, it's uh. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's really expensive. Is I don't want to get any stains on it. Yeah. And there's <laughs> another part of us that is, wow, you know, that is like, wow, I couldn't imagine being in that position. That would be so scary. I, let me help this person. And, right. I, and I think that that's the human condition that allows for both of those things to... to you yes. exist at the same time.
3: Well, and it's also like rethinking the way we think about helping others is more of like, oh, wow, like what an honor that I happen to be in this right. position to serve another person. Yeah. Right? And, uh,
6: and ultimately, you could be, you could end up in the Bible. You could be famous for <laughs> for doing that, which is, I think, a good incentive. It's like people should think about that. Like they could be yes. famous. For
5: <laughs> you could end up in the next testament that to what? be written. <laughs> exactly. The, think about the it that new, way. The
3: newest testament. Or newest. you could just write
5: Write the new testament, and then
6: you there can you put go. yourself wherever you want. <laughs> exactly. Apparently, anybody.
5: No, can just that, jump but that's in the there.
3: point. You can't write your own story. Uh, it's
6: you, true. Have
5: to, okay, you have to. You have gotcha. to do a good enough gotcha. job
3: of living your life so that other people want to write your there story. There you
5: go. <laughs> so, All right. So then we are changing that. We got to call it then, right? For the new big slap.
3: Um. Yeah. Yes. The new the big slap is. I'm going to call it. Human condition. I, wait a minute. Let me change that the messy human condition, mm. you're getting the big slap. Well, so glad we had Harold on. Uh, and uh, to answer all of our questions, uh, really tried to push him to see who Matthew and who Luke were. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't have any solid answers, but, you know, we'll... Uh,
6: it's not on him. He's out there. Lo- he's looking <laughs> for the answers.
5: <laughs> he really is. <laughs> Right. Really, He's at this point, it's on
3: Matthew and Luke for not leaving enough breadcrumbs. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but seriously, um, it was uh, re- re- really grateful that I have Harold on, and uh, just in time for the Christmas uh holiday, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. we're we're thinking about uh, <laughs> baby Jesus mm-hmm. right now. <laughs>
6: mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, But guys, I I hope you have a wonderful break and a wonderful holiday. Uh, And for those who celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. And we will be back next week. Stay tuned because we are going to be discussing Mariah Carey's New Year's Eve 2016 fiasco. (laughs) Perfect follow up. Mm -hmm. Perfect follow Mm (laughs) up.